0: I'd like to welcome astrologer Sue Fairbrother to Lightways. Sue's been practicing as a professional astrologer, a terror consultant, and as a teacher for over twenty five years. She currently teaches at the London School of Astrology and the Faculty of Astrological Studies. Today she joins us to talk about her book Astrology Decoded a Step by Step Guide to Learning Astrology. Sue, welcome to My Spirit Radio.
1: Hello Anna, very great pleasure to be here.
0: First of all, tell us a little bit about your book.
1: I think I'll tell you about why I wrote the book, actually. I had a, a quite a strong motivation for writing it. Uh, because I've been teaching beginning students for quite a long time, um, I've got to know the kinds of questions that they ask and the kinds of things in astrology that puzzle people. So I thought it, I would really like to actually put my years of experience into book form and I wrote the book for people out there who are interested in astrology. I had this ambition to have the book in places like Smith's and Waterstones rather than a, a specialist uh, shop. So that was why I wrote the book. And I have seen a copy in those shops, so I'm very pleased. That was my intention. And, you know, I tried to go through it step by step by step as, as the book has got a subtitle, Step by Step Guide to Learning Astrology. I assume no previous knowledge And my idea was to take people through to the ability to interpret uh, a birth chart at the end of the book.
0: And it is indeed a very comprehensive and simple guide, which is exactly what's needed if you are a beginner. One of the most common questions that I encounter as a teacher of astrology is, how did it all start? Who invented all of this? So I thought maybe it might be nice for you to give us a little snapshot of The history of astrology, which, given its thousands of years (laughs) old, is a bit of a task. But (laughs) perhaps you can have a go anyway. Gosh, can I synopsize
1: uh, five to seven thousand years of history into two minutes? I'll try. Um, (laughs) I suppose astrology, as we sort of as we know it—not exactly how we know it now—but it really began with the Babylonians, long, long time ago. And in that, they had a culture of believing that. Everything has uh, um, life. Everything around you uh, is a sort of, um, it's called an animistic type of belief. And obviously from caveman days, even before the Babylonians, people have been observing the stars and noticing what was happening. I mean, for example, simple things like um, noting the phases of the moon and tying them into women's cycles. That was probably one of the very earliest things. There have been notches found on bones marking out the phases of the moon. Presumably so that it could work out, um, you know, having having their families and extending their um, their families, their races. In Babylonian times, they started to um, bring in the idea of gods, that uh, the bodies in the sky, the sun and the moon, were tied into sacred figures. And they did a lot of work in starting to build a structure to it. But I suppose it was really the ancient Greeks, the classical Greeks, that put the uh, the mathematics and the astronomy into it. Uh, Babylonians put in some, and the Greeks completed that, so that there is a definite kind of astronomical link that can be quite mathematically worked out um, between the movements of the heavens and events on Earth. For many, many centuries, uh, astrology was mostly used for predicting the movements of enemies and giving advice to kings and so on. But eventually it started to become the case that individuals could actually have something resembling wouldn't have looked the same as we have it nowadays but something resembling a chart calculated and drawn up and it sort of progressed from there really jumping forward a few hundred years to when the romans were occupying many countries in western europe it was quite a big thing and it was quite a fashionable thing to get your chart done by an astrologer and astrologers was still advising kings and nobles but there there became an increasing sense of distrust about astrology in that the roman empire started to fall apart and, People didn't feel they could rely on it very much. And then uh, Rome finally left, particularly these shores, and left other countries as well, uh, in the end of the 5th century. And astrology fell into disuse without the language, because Latin became not a language that was spoken very much by people. The Arabs, fortunately, were clever enough to have rescued astrology and took it over to countries where they were living, um, especially countries like the south of Spain, which was a very Arabic area at the time, uh, and also the Middle East. Uh, And the Arabs kept astrology alive and actually added their own thing to it. And it became revived again when scholars from the west started to go over to those countries and started to pick up on the ideas. That was in the 10th and 11th centuries.
0: And so we enter a period where there's a renaissance, if you like, of astrology and brought about by the work of the Arabs who added quite a lot of mathematics and the different parts that we know now and and so on. But then we have a period where there's a sort of common use and we start to lose astrology again in with the Age of Enlightenment. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, we're talking um, 17th century really now. Um, So astrology had this huge revival during the Renaissance. It's terribly popular, and everybody had to have their own astrologer or so on, or if you were not that wealthy, you'd go and visit uh, an astrologer in in your streets or something like that. What happened was that uh, the the age of science, the age of enlightenment, began to arrive, because what had been happening with astrology is that in a way it had become a little careless. It started to be very intermingled. Other systems, especially with magic and alchemy. And, um, you know, scientific thinkers like Isaac Newton, for example, decided that it really was too vague and not clear enough, and it was all caught up with what he started to think of as a sort of superstition. And so it it fell into disuse again for the second period, Um, you know, and it became the thing to think entirely scientifically. And at that time, uh, astronomy became a science in its own right and became separated from astrology. Um, and the astronomers and the mathematicians and the, and the scientists of that time, um, they they had no track with astrology, most of them. And astrology fell into disuse again for another 200 years. Uh, and it wasn't really revived until the end of the 19th century, um, particularly by an astrologer called Alan Leo, who thought astrology was... It saw the real value of astrology. And Alan Leo started writing a lot of books. He was a theosophist and had a very spiritual uh, aspect to his his thinking and his belief system. Um, He started to write books on astrology. Astrology for All was one of his books. And uh, it became terribly popular again because he was offering people to have their written charts. um, He advertised that you could get your chart done and people inundated him. He had a whole team of people working for him. Uh, And since then, astrology has gradually grown again. It was not very much around in the 20s and 30s. Um, but into the 40s and the 50s, that it started to enjoy a revival. And it came back into its own, really, with the hippie era of 1960. And the rest is history, if you like.
0: How did it fall foul of the Witchcraft Act? Was there any effect in terms of astrology from that?
1: There was a terrible act that was that was uh, you know passed into law, which essentially said that um, astrology was something to do with witchcraft, which was... Because the church was terribly, terribly powerful, of course, at that time. You know, people's lives were completely caught up in the in the Christian church. You know, and one one had to follow that, uh, all the teachings of the church. And the church was very against what it perceived as as work of the devil, which is how it perceived witchcraft and astrology got kind of lumped into that. Um, so you know, very erroneous ideas about what astrology really is really came up through that, and it was part of the of the downfall, I suppose.
0: So we have this situation where astrology falls in the middle of religious censure. Yes. And scientific misunderstanding of what it is.
1: Narrow thinking, perhaps one could
0: say. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And so it's really besieged on both sides. Yes. And yet it's very popular today. How do you feel astrology today differs from astrology practiced in the Middle Ages. So astrology today versus very traditional astrology.
1: Uh, well, one of the things I, I would just like to add in here is that astrology is still uh, seen as, um, you know, having no meaning uh, or even worse than that by certain religious um, uh, sects or thinkers or certain religions uh, and scientific, you know, the scientific community by and large. So we still have that issue going on. Um, How does it differ today? I suppose one of the great differences really with modern astrology is that um, the new science of psychology began in the early part of the 20th century with Freud and later with Carl Jung. Although Freud himself really had nothing, uh, found astrology not of interest to him at all, but Carl Jung did. Um, And a lot of the modern approach to astrology has really come out of Jung's Interest and studies. Young did some studies on astrology to try and um, uh, try and test it, if you like, because he was ultimately a, a scientist himself, but a very very open-minded scientist. Um, I mean, there are scientists nowadays like Rupert Sheldrake who have very open minds. Unfortunately, lots of people, I think, in a um, within the scientific world, do not have that openness of mind, which is a big shame. Um, but astrology has really become, in modern terms, very caught up with psychology, I suppose. Um, and astrology now, I think, um, is, is undergoing, certainly has been for the last maybe 10 or 20 years, been undergoing its own renaissance because it's tied into looking at how an individual functions. So it comes out of the psychology of of Carl Jung and later uh, picked up, of course, by the uh, uh, psychological astrologer Liz Green, who wrote lots of books as well. And it's about understanding yourself and understanding where you're going and how you can grow, what cycle of your life you're in at the present time and how you can um, deal with your issues and how you can make the most of your talents and skills. So that's, you know, astrology's really gone a long, long way from its time in the Middle Ages. They didn't have anything to do with the psychology in those days.
0: It was a much more divinatory art. It was basically used to work out when the best time was to do certain things or to map out your life, really. Yes, that's right. It was
1: much more external, shall we say. Um, it was not to do with looking at your internal functioning so much, except that you could have been one of four types, the sort of melancholy, sanguine, uh, all those, those, those four types. Um, uh, but it was really used to, to look at when would be a good time to start your business or when would be a good time to, um, uh, to get married or something like that. That's, that, that became a different branch of astrology. That's called horary. Um, and that's not the kind of astrology that I've written about in the book, but that is a different branch where you can look at quite specific things. Um, but nowadays it very much is used, it's often used in, in conjunction with a form of counselling, I suppose, to help people to understand themselves better, therefore to, to, to have more power to make their own decisions about what they want to do and how they want to do it. Astrology nowadays, I feel acts as a guide rather than a telling people what to do, which is what was happening in the Middle Ages, I think,
0: by and large. Yes, indeed. It's more of a an opportunity to help somebody reflect on their lives and their situation. I've noticed in the last few years a sort of revival of traditional astrology. Have you noticed that?
1: Indeed, indeed. And I find that very heartening, actually, because... Um, with the advent of psychological astrology, which really kind of took off in the 60s, I suppose, um, it it kind of, the pendulum kind of went the other way, and it was all about your inner life and your inner soul and your spiritual journey, and all of that is extremely valid as far as I'm concerned. But what we now have termed traditional astrology um, kind of fell a little bit by the wayside in the 60s and the 70s, and there has been a revival Um, And what I mean by traditional astrology is basically the astrology that was being practiced in the Renaissance, in the 17th century, um, and even going further back to some of the the, the classical works now of the Greeks and the Romans. Um, And it was very solid astrology, actually. Um, You know, it's looking back at at things that psychological astrologers don't use very much, such as the decans, for example, um, and many other things within traditional astrology. Um, And there seems to be a movement, and there was for quite a long time, and to some extent there still is, branches of astrology. So some people consider themselves traditional astrologers using older techniques, and other people consider themselves more psychological or spiritual astrologers. And it seems to be there's a bit of a split. But actually what's happening is that it's beginning to come together, which I think is very positive for the future of astrology. So those that are studying both systems are using both um, systems from the classical times and from the, medi- uh, the the medieval Renaissance times, and tying it into inner journeying and looking at your spiritual development, I think that's extremely positive for astrology. Broadens it.
0: It certainly does, and it also makes for an interesting future. Indeed,
1: it does. I, I have great hopes for the continued expansion of astrology. Actually, I think uh, more and more people are interested. Um, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the
0: book. (laughs) Indeed. And if you would like to get Sue's book, Astrology Decoded, you can find the link on our webpage. Sue Fairbrother, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's a great pleasure, Anna, and thank you for having me on.